Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is March 26, 2018. This is episode 230. My name is Scott Magnus. My name is Jake English. And in today's show, well, we're going to talk some minor matters as we get ready for the upcoming baseball season. We'll also pass the sides, whether it be a cob of corn or perhaps a nice cobbler after the fact. We're going to deal with this whole Alex Cobb situation. And we'll do that all right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this evening? Scott, I'm drinking Spite this evening. Oh. I have brought into SD Studios, just to piss you off, a National Bohemian beer. Crab Shack Shandy. Oh boy, what a terrible beer. It's delicious. Jake, I am drinking a beer I believe you're familiar with. It's uh, the Burr's Art Birdhouse Pale Ale um, in honor of Ictris Gabula. Um, Jake, are you familiar with this beer? A little bit, a little bit. Uh, Jake, do you have something coming up this week with this beer? I do, uh, and I, I tweeted this out earlier this week, and I'm sure nobody but me cares, but the Birdhouse is my baseball beer this season. Um, back in, I think it was 2013, I was so distraught at the end of the baseball season that You started I, a stupid tradition. I started the stupidest of traditions. <laughs> One but, that made your wife basically say, I cannot believe we're doing this to our, our refrigerator. Well, there were many things, but this yes. is one of them. Yeah, so at the end of each season, I leave the last beer from whatever six-pack I'm drinking on the last day of the season, and I leave it in the back of the fridge, and I leave it there until the very first day of the next season. It bridges the off-season, and so uh, usually in the morning <laughs> of opening day, I crack my baseball beer and taste something that, that, that tastes of hops and hope and Orioles magic. It actually tastes more like a little skunkiness and uh, a little bit watered down. For folks that say that the can preserves a beer perfectly, I say you're wrong. Let's I just say put you're it this dead way. wrong. The Birdhouse is the best beer that I've done this to. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shall see how the experiment goes on Thursday morning. That's right. If you're interested to see what we are drinking and you would like to share along in the experience, follow us on Untapped. Uh, I'm at Jake E4025. And I'm at MEGN8606. And with that, it's time we go ahead and dabble on over. To the medical wing. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm gonna check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heart, fix you up, ready to go. Time for your checkup. It's okay if you get it. It's okay, Scott. It's okay. Not for Mark Trumbo. Time for your checkup. All right. So let's go through the things going into the beginning of this season. Um, Tim Beckham, obviously, is the biggest kind of question mark, I think. Um, uh, tweaked his groin, um, which I think has happened to all of us. Who basically. hasn't been there? Right. Who it, hasn't been it, there? It's happened. It's going to happen. Um, making it progress. Expected to avoid the DL. Um, everything is looks like everything's going to work out okay. But there is that question mark of what happens if he doesn't get back and... Well, Manny has to play shortstop, and Danny Valencia has to play third base. Here's the thing. Third base is the only position in the infield they could possibly lose somebody. Right. I, I guess they could lose Manny uh, because uh, Tim Beckham could slide over to short, and they could put somebody else to third. But they have uh, able-bodied third baseman waiting in the wings sure. in, in the body of uh, Danny Valencia and your boy, Pedro Alvarez. Well, actually, I was just thinking about this, and it just dawned on me. So Pedro Alvarez hasn't officially been named to the team, which seems a bit odd. He's just kind of hanging around. Just hanging around. Perhaps the Orioles are kind of waiting to get some feedback on Tim Beckham to find out if he's actually going to go on the DL or not. Because if he does go on the DL, maybe the Orioles need to pick up somebody. You know, J.J. Hardy is still out there and could play a mean shortstop for, oh, for 14 days. Uh, don't pull at my heartstrings <laughs> like that. Don't do it, Scott. I'll be the Jake next English one. Jake English could be on the medical wing, yes. I'll be the next one on the medical wing. All right, the rest of the medical wing is basically guys we, we already know about. Look, Zach Britton, uh, Mark Trumbo, Gabriella Inoa, and uh, you know the rest, they, they no real change. One note here I have for you, Scott. Chris Davis. Yeah. Seems fine. Yes. He, he had his uh, injection. He came back. He's played some spring training games. Do you think it's over? Do you think the saga of Chris Davis's right arm is over, or do you think this is something that lingers on? I think just like any Chris Davis slump, it'll linger on. The other note that I want to put in here was Trey Mancini was scratched from today's starting lineup against the Norfolk Tides after tweaking his hamstring yesterday. Um, again, 
doesn't sound severe, but one of those things that just maybe the Orioles just didn't want to push it too much against, you know, a triple A affiliate. I'm thinking he was getting veteran preference. Yeah, we'll go with that. I'm trying. Yeah. We'll I'm trying. Last year, Buck would have been like, get out there, son. Throw on the gray pants. But we're at home, sir. <laughs> Throw on Throw the gray on pants. pants. Um, overall, though, um, besides the whole thing with Mark Trumbo being on the DL and more importantly, Zach Burton being out the first two months, the Orioles are actually going into the season relatively healthy uh, in comparison to previous seasons. I'm I'm sorry. The Orioles are what? Relatively excuse free? Uh yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. I mean, you look at their starting rotation, and you know we've had seasons before where we have yet to see the starting rotation begin in its you know full strength. Um, certainly, Alex Cobb kind of starting later in the season due mm-hmm. to basically still building his arm up is is a slight question mark. But I mean, you look and you like, okay, the Orioles are going to be in good shape the first or second week of April, and really have very little gaps besides Mark Trumbo basically being on the DL. Um, overall, I'm I'm pretty pumped about it and pretty optimistic about the whole situation because you know you look at things like that's happening with the yankees and bird going out now for 68 weeks yeah i feel bad about that and you think you know that could easily happen to the orioles and derail their season for the yankees it's not a big deal whatsoever because they've got a drop in the talent bucket yeah it's just like okay we'll just bring in walker and basically put him at first base and see uh no productivity productivity loss um but anyway medical wing it's in best shape going into a season that, that i think we've seen for the past few seasons is it in the best shape of its life Scott? best shape of our lives yes. nice yes so let's go to 280 cares for less this week on the twitters all right scotty i i have to tell you i don't know about you but i find crow to be delicious many 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 places that i could have gone for this but i'm going to go to jim palmer as i often do this is of course at jim 22 palmer dd Dan the cat late to the party, but saves the day with a significant present. Hashtag just in time at Mass and Orioles at Orioles. He's of course referring to something we're going to talk to in a little bit, which is a signing of uh, of Alex Cobb. I didn't think it would happen. Crow, mwah, delicious. Jake, I have to tell you something. Tell Be me. prepared for this. And now the end is near, and so it's time to face the final curtain. Jake, the announcement came out. From Rockabaco at Mass and Rock. There won't be a reunion between the hashtag Orioles and Ryan Flaherty. His signing elsewhere and is expected to be placed on the Major League roster. I always talk to him about a triple A deal and tweet. I feel like we still have more characters left. I think Rock is still in this 140 characters or fewer. I'm shocked by this. Okay. I'm not I'm not saying that I, you know, am upset by the fact that Flaherty isn't here, except for the fact that we don't have any real infield depth. But besides that, like this is not a Flaherty thing. How Orioles would that have been? To have Flaherty released or opt out of his deal with the Phillies and to get him back at a cheaper price. Once again, this is Nick Marcakis coming back and spiting us once again and pulling good, good. No, I'm not going to say good no, players. No no, 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 no. All right. Next, I have an important announcement in the Brian Roberts watch. This is a tweet from the Baltimore Orioles who tweet at Orioles. The Orioles have announced that former O's second baseman Brian Roberts has been elected to the Orioles Hall of Fame. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, he is going to don the green jacket of Orioles stardom. This feel a little quick to you? No, no, absolutely not. You don't think so? No, no. We're in the period now where there aren't that many great candidates for Orioles Hall of Fame. Okay. Really? But here's the thing. There's been a lot of discussion over the, you know, on the Twitters over the last couple of days about, you know, was Brian Roberts really any good? He was. Oh, yeah, Brian he, Roberts he, was an excellent player. He was an player. excellent player. There's and no question about I, that. And I get the whole being disappointed with the way his career ended. And, you know, people that say that he gave up on the team or anything like that are just full of crap. But for a period of time, two or three years, he was the prototypical leadoff hitter, the best, you know, base stealer, leadoff hitter in the game, hitting doubles, playing in almost adequate defense. Sure. <laughs> but he was a lot of fun to watch. And it doesn't matter that the fact that the rest of the team wasn't. Brian Roberts, you still reside in my heart. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. Brian Roberts is definitely one of the best Orioles of all time, is the best way to describe it. Um, Jake, I guess my question comes back to, if, it, if it's not too soon, when does Eric Bedard get into the Orioles Hall of Fame? You mean for what he brought to the Orioles? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. How do the Orioles not induct Eric Bedard and then have Adam Jones come out, shake his hand, and give him a, like a plaque? Or a phone. Or a phone, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're onto something here. <laughs> All 
All right, this uh, this next tweet goes into, oh, so th- th- this is how you save a $10 billion industry. This tweet comes from CBS Sports MLB, at CBS Sports MLB, but of course this was everywhere. Congress, save America's Pastime Act would allow teams to pay minor leaguers less than minimum wage. So once again, Major League Baseball has turned into the Applebee's of competitive sports. It's ridiculous. And look, here's the thing. I... <laughs> I swear to God, we're not turning into the Baltimoreans. This is not a social justice slash baseball podcast. Can we? If if only if we were as good as the Baltimoreans, we certainly would. But how many minor league baseball players does each organization employ? Two hundred and fifty. Okay, approximately. So to give those cats like thirty thousand dollars, it would cost what you know, seven point five million dollars, yes. something like that. Yes, we're talking a drop in the bucket the, to pay minor league baseball players despite what the billionaires will tell you it will not wreck baseball's finances it will not affect your bottom line to be able to go enjoy that we literally wrote a law to impoverish people that are trying to fulfill their dreams in a way that oh by the way in small towns like aberdeen maryland we take our kids to because we're too cheap to go to baseball games for the major leagues this is absurd saving our national pastime Ugh. oh so we're not going to just Paul McCartney tweet? <laughs> no, we're not going to. Because <laughs> if we're going to get Baltimore on now, now, no. But everybody who knows us knows exactly what we're talking about. Sam and Alan, please come back. Scott, I want to tell you something. Oh, okay. Nobody likes a tease. Ooh. Okay. Okay, some people like a tease, but I don't. And I'm talking specifically about a tweet that came from the OBP podcast. Oh, yes. They tweet at OBP podcast. Very original. Don't call it a comeback, they tweet. At Joe Papa, at Sal Team 6, at OBP Apparel, hashtag the return. Well, lo and behold, this evening when we fired up the mics, we happened to see that uh, the return has begun. And the OBP podcast has been resurrected from the ashes to talk about NBA sports. Listen, I, I don't often say this, but dear Bird's Eye View listener, Turn off this podcast. Just turn it off right now. Right now. You don't want to hear the rest of this. It's worthwhile, worthless. Uh, we're just going to dri- drivel a bomb for the next 50 or 60 minutes, just like we do every single week. Go directly to the interwebs, find the OBP podcast, and listen. It's what Mel Clark would do, okay? All right. Boys, come back. We love you. We do love you. Uh, okay, the next one is, uh, who is chopping onions in here? And this tweet comes from John Mioli, uh, our favorite man crush out there on the beat. Uh, Bobby Dickerson threw the hashtag Orioles a crawfish boil on Thursday. They turned it into a commencement ceremony for the new 52-year-old college graduate with Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope giving him his degree. Well done, Bobby Dickerson. Did you read the article? I did. Dude, so his home address was listed as his childhood address, <laughs> and so his uh, his diploma didn't arrive. He, he didn't get his diploma. So they managed to get a uh, another one made up. Uh, Buck Showalter made an announcement to the folks that were assembled at the the uh, crawfish boil, and his uh, his star pupils in the infield were the ones to actually present it to him. Uh, the man who makes the wind over at third base got a softer side, and now a general studies degree. But see, these are the kind of stories that you want to hear going into the season. This is the same thing when like the Orioles got together and did like the crab race where they drop crabs in the locker room and like, okay, let's see who wins basically. Like these are the kind of ridiculous stories that are just like, all right, so they're having a good time. Um and in in it doesn't really matter is the best way to describe it, but it's good to see that it's not this contentious aspect of like, well, we'll see what happens. At least they're having fun going into pretty much the last season i don't yeah i don't want to be dark here but these are the kind of stories we're gonna to have to get into oh, sure. in the next few years yeah, these, <laughs> these are the things that are gonna to have to like fuel our, our, our orioles fandom yeah exactly all right speaking of fueling fandom uh i've got to call somebody out here this is a tweet that comes from kyle j andrews it tweets at kyle andrews 1994 uh you've seen him in a couple of places he's a, a beat writer for 1340 am uh, fox sports he tweeted out a question and said, before hashtag opening day, here's a question. Which team is more important in Baltimore, the hashtag Orioles or the hashtag Ravens? Hmm, that is a clown question, bro. Why do we do this to ourselves? Are you a Bryce Harper fan? Why, why do we do this? I just like hair in general. Don't you realize that Baltimore is a football town? Why? Why we got, why we got to go there? Why can't it be both? Thank you. 
Why can't it be both? We we have this false narrative that you've got to be a fan of one or the other, and that one's got to be more pure, more you know, better than the other, and that there isn't room for that's crap. That's just right. crap. Yeah, if I'm in the um, Baltimore metropolitan area, I should be able to go and root for the Orioles, just like I can go and root for the Ravens, just like I can go root for the Baltimore Blast, just like I could go root for you know the Washington Nationals if I'm in that. Whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Did easy. I go, did I go too far? Easy, Chief. Oh. Easy. Or, you know, just going and rooting for a few minor league baseball teams in the local area. Does that happen? That can happen where people have a um, loyal fan base to a local minor league team. Let's find out more about that because I'm confused. Tonight we are joined by Jeff Arnold, the Director of Broadcasting and Public Relations for the Frederick Keys. Uh, Though we talk about the Baltimore Orioles here, it is very important to us that we also support the minor league affiliates that are in our home area. Uh, And so Jeff has been kind enough to join us. Jeff, thank you very much for being on Bird's Eye View. No, thanks so much for for having me, guys. It's, uh, It's great to be with you. First and foremost, tell us, what does the Director of Broadcasting and Public Relations for the Frederick <laughs> Keys do? What, what actually falls under your purview? That's a, that's a good question. Um, well, minor league baseball, it's kind of a broad stroke, I guess you could say. Uh, there are a lot of different things that I do. So the general gist is that uh, I do our radio broadcast for our home and road games, um, so we play 140 games. So uh, I do a good chunk of those. I have a broadcast partner that will that will do some road trips for me. But um, but it's a lot of the games. Um, I do our uh, public relations, as the, the PR title suggests. So that means writing game notes, press releases, um, and handling a variety of media requests, and working with our local media, working with Baltimore media. Um, and making sure that, you know, we're being good on social media and, and overseeing that kind of stuff and website stuff. And, and then finally, uh, it's working in our marketing department and helping plan our promotional schedule and scheduling some of the different events and things that we have throughout the year and working with our director of marketing on different things that we want to do. So it's kind of just a mix of, of different things. But uh, I think if you ask most people in my role that they'll, they'll tell you that, uh, that nobody's, uh, that everybody's, you're doing a little bit of everything in, in my particular role. And, uh, and it, and it's nice because, uh, you're never bored. You always have something, something going on. It seems like, like the rest of us, you wear a lot of hats, but I, I want to talk about promotions in just a sec, but I'm going to go back. Cause I, I, uh, forgive me. I'm surprised. Do you actually do play by play on the broadcasts? I do play-by-play. That's correct. Fantastic. Let me ask you something. Uh, doing play-by-play for the Keys, what is just the weirdest thing that you have encountered and had to convey to a, to a listening audience? Um, well, last year we had a situation where we decided to protest a game and there was a lengthy delay as, uh, as we were kind of trying to figure out how to explain all the stuff that was was going on. So that was a little bit of a challenge because at one point the umpires left the field. They went up to the umpires room to go look into something. And, and so we're trying to dissect what was happening on the field and trying to relay it to everybody. And is in is uh, easy to understand a fashion as possible, but there was also a part of us. I think we were kind of wondering if maybe something else happened that we just didn't see. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we kind of, we're like, all right, they're just, they're protesting. This is what it is. So we're like, we're talking, we're pulling out the rule book. We're filling time as the umpires are in their dressing room, just trying to get things figured out. So I'd say that was maybe one of the more challenging things that, that I have, that I've dealt with. You know, we don't do a lot of rain delay theater, which can certainly be a a challenge of its own just because we're able to to send our broadcast back to um, some other programming when, when we, uh, when we hit a rain delay. But, um, but I'd say last year with dealing with that protest that, that ate up a nice chunk of time and forced us to really fill some time. I'd say that was maybe one of the more challenging uh, the broadcast tasks that I've had to deal with since I've been here. 
That's excellent. Now, I have a confession to make, and I apologize in advance. I, I know that Scott has mm-hmm. been to many, many Keys games, having uh, dated and married a girl who went to Hood College. Uh, but I have never been uh, out to a Keys game. So, Boo. Yeah, well, you got you to change, change that. Yeah. For, for all the fools out there. Would you like us there, to pop your cherry for you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, for, great. For all the fools out there like me who are clearly uh, just not in the right, tell us, what exactly are we missing? Well, you're missing a great time to just put it, you know, really generally. Um, but no, I'd, I'd say that you're missing a great experience because um, five of the last six years we've led the Carolina League in attendance, so we have great fans. Um, but I think that what, what we've achieved in terms of people coming out to the ballpark and building a fan base and getting people excited about our product—it's not something that happened overnight. You know, it, it, it's taken a lot of long, you know, long hours and a lot of work to try and figure out a, a you know, a, a promo schedule and, and to figure out kind of what everybody likes. And every year we're reevaluating what we're doing um, to make sure that we're, you know, fulfilling the needs of our fans and also trying out some new things to prevent our product from getting old, but at the same time, keeping some certain things in there um, that everybody really likes. Um, and we don't want to obviously, you know, lose that part of it as well. So, I'd say it's it's minor league baseball. Um, we have uh, great concessions. We have a lot of great areas to watch the game. It's easy to get here. You know, it's not it's not that challenging. Um, you can get great seats no matter if you're sitting. And you, some people have the field seats where you're really close to the field, and then you have your um, you know other seating sections which are you know may not cost quite as much, but are also going to give you a great view of Keys baseball. Um, we have uh, a variety of different promo things that are that are great that are sort of long-standing type deals, such as the Cowboy Monkey Rodeo, which is monkeys dressed like cowboys riding dogs as though they were horses while herding goats. You know, that as, as you do twice a year. Um, we have that. We have the candy drop, which has become a favorite, where we have a helicopter that drops candy into the outfield. It's not our helicopter, but um, we work with a company and they drop candy in the outfield um a couple you know hundred pounds or whatever and um kids go running after all this candy and then different things like star wars night and you know some of your typical minor league staples art in the park which we have a local artist design a special jersey and then every year we have some different things that change like this year um we have uh, some great celebrity appearances uh, mike Canubel, former capital is going to be coming out in may uh we've got Gary Clark and Santana Moss coming out uh, as kind of a Hale the Redskins type of night. Uh, Roger Dorn is going to be coming out this year. Corbin Burnson. Uh, no way. Roger <laughs> Dorn in the movie. Yeah. So, so we, every year we come up with, you know, great celebrities that people would love to meet that we think, uh, think would be fun. Like Dougie Doug is coming out for a cool runnings night in May too. And um, Kevin Nash is out on June 29th for a wrestling night. And, uh, so we're, we're bringing new people out to the ballpark and trying new things and, and, and so kind of mixing those things in with some staples that have worked. Um, and also, you know, we're receptive to what other people might say, hey, could you try this or look into this? And, and we do what we can to, to accommodate our fans and what their interests are. And then we mix those with, uh, with what our interests are and what we think people would, uh, would enjoy. And so it's, it's kind of a mix of stuff that, has been done but works new stuff um stuff that we think would bring people out and then stuff that our fans suggest and it gets us to uh to a great product and then of course we got great keys baseball on the field and um and it just makes for a, a really fun way to spend a spring or summer night yeah i completely agree and you know you know for people that are looking to get out to frederick i mean the frederick area in itself is a great area to go out to as well um, I've actually mm-hmm. gone out in the past few years and, you know, gone to a Frederick Keys game and then gone to Volt um, that evening and then basically mm-hmm. done a bed and breakfast in downtown historic Frederick. And it's just a great way to spend a weekend. Um, you know, people normally now are saying, well, I'll go down to St. Michael's. I would much prefer to go out to Frederick and kind of see, you know, that countryside and also, you know, go to a minor league baseball game and then have a really nice dinner that evening than to go to St. Michael and, you know, get overcharged for a bed and breakfast and get overcharged for, for a dinner. <laughs> so that's just my personal opinion. I highly recommend Frederick uh, in general. Um, but Jeff, let me ask you this question. 
Has there ever been an event or promotion that you've had to nix or say, you know what, I don't think we can actually pull that off or do um, based off of a suggestion from your staff? You know what? Um, I'll say this. In terms of in terms of promotions that we do, when we put something on our promo schedule and we announce it to our fans, it's we're going to do it. Um, and there's some teams that release their promotional schedules a lot earlier. Um, they might release it in December, give fans a sneak peek, and and then some might do it in January and do it in February. We do it probably towards the very end of February or early in March. So that way, when we're telling our fans what we're going to do, we mean that's what we're going to do. Um, we don't like throw something in there and then everyone gets excited. And then we suddenly have to be like, actually, we can't do that. So we spend a lot of our time making sure that um, we're able to, to do what we say we're going to do. Every once in a while, something comes up like you're going to have a bobblehead night. Maybe they get stuck in customs and something bizarre happens. And, and those are unfortunate things, but those happen to every team across the country. We're not, we're not unique in that regard. Or, or maybe you have a celebrity coming and they suddenly get booked for a big film or something and they, they can't come out the night that they're scheduled or they have to reschedule for another night. Or the Calvin Monkey rodeo is coming out and it rains. They have to come back on another day. I mean, I've seen all those types of things happen. But, um, you know, when we put our promo schedule out, um, it is something that is well thought out. Uh, we're making sure that, that everything we do obviously is in good taste. You know, we don't want to do anything that's going to offend anyone. And so we have a pretty good brain trust of people that are, that are looking everything over. So if something really doesn't seem right, um, it's going to n- get nixed before it ever gets released. Um, and then like when we have ideas, like there, there are plenty of ideas that I had and that others in our marketing department and elsewhere had that we looked into. Um, but for whatever reason, be it money, be it time, uh, be it schedules or whatever, it, it didn't quite work out. And some of those ideas, it, it might be, it didn't work out this year, but it might work out next year. And then some of those ideas, you're like, oh, that'd be great. And then you look further into it and you're like, actually, this just isn't feasible. So, um, you know, we have lots of ideas. Some of them work. Uh, some of them don't after we look into them and, and go through the process. And, um, but when we release something and our promo schedule is ready to go, that's what we intend to do. And if maybe some people say, when's your promo schedule coming out? And it's the middle of January. And they're like, well, why haven't we seen it yet? It's because we're still working on it. And we want to make sure that when we release it, it's as good as it can be. And that everything that people see on there is something that is set, ready to go. Uh, and, you know, minus certain extenuating circumstances, when they see it on that promo schedule, that is, that's what they're going to get and they can plan accordingly. You know, here's the thing. If you can get a cowboy monkey rodeo together, I don't think there's anything you can't accomplish. (laughs) All right. Let me ask you this. You, You mentioned, you know, getting things stuck in customs and surprises coming and being difficult to plan around. I'd actually like to ask you a little bit about that. Minor league rosters Mm -hmm. are a little more fluid than they are in the big leagues. And that's totally outside of your organization's control, right? I mean, it's, it's the, the big clubs preferences for the, the, uh, players progression. And so how difficult is it to plan a season around players and personalities that might not be there in Frederick as the season continues, because, you know, they've had the good fortune to, to have success. That's a good question. Um, you know, you see that with the Orioles a lot where they might say, hey, we're going to give you a, a Brad Brock growth chart or we're going to have a promotion around this person or we're going to have a bobblehead around this person. At the minor league level, because of what you just talked about, where it's a fluid roster, you don't know who you're going to get, you might be scheduled to get somebody and they get injured the first day of the season. Like, that stuff happens. Uh, because of that, we don't, schedule promo like events around specific players because you're you're playing with fire a little bit when you do that because if if you can have this certain player here and you're like oh that'd be a really cool idea to do but then what happens if he gets released or he gets hurt or he's not with you at all um then you you look kind of dumb when you do that so as a result of that when we do like a bobblehead uh, it's a bobblehead of somebody that used to play for us or is in the organization or is in the major leagues or whatever. Um, so that way it's, it's a good idea regardless. You're not being like, okay, we're going to have this 
specific like photo giveaway of X player and then X player is not there. So it's kind of dangerous to do that. So as a result, when we like have like giveaways and different promotionals items that come up, um, you know, they generally don't involve the, um, they generally don't, we don't plan a promotion around it. Here's a hard to giveaway of like Joe Marais and, and this guy and this guy and this guy. We don't do it that way just because we don't know if they'll be with us. And if they are with us, we don't know if they'll be on the disabled list or, or what's going to happen. So uh, as a result, um, you know, we, we definitely do promotions that feature our players, such as like meet the team. We do that three times a year. Um, but we're not like setting a specific promo or like a specific bobblehead around a player that, that may or may not be with us just because that doesn't go over well if that player doesn't happen to be with us. So here at Bird's Eye View, we've talked in the past about the impact that the appearance of the Washington Nationals have had on the Baltimore Orioles um, since 2005. Um, and then having minor league affiliates such as Harrisburg, uh, Hagerstown, and Potomac um, associated with like a new local team, how has that impacted the keys uh, since Nationals have come on the stage? To be very honest, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it makes much of a difference just because the Potomac Nationals are in our league and Potomac, that's probably, I don't know, an hour and 20 minutes away from us when you, and maybe a little bit more when you factor in traffic and some of those different things. So like they're nearby, but they're not like somebody that is, that is taking up like our fans, just like scooping up fans from us. Um, you know, it, Harrisburg is also a little bit farther away. Um, so that that's, you know, you're dealing with probably someplace that's, I don't know, an hour and 40 minutes, something like that away. So, it, so they're around, but I don't really think it's had much of an impact on our business and, and the way that we've gone about doing things. It's built a nice little rivalry. I'll say that, you know, between, between us and Potomac, for instance, it's, it's kind of a mini beltway rivalry almost. There's but, been uh, some social media think, snipery is the best way I can describe it between you and, uh, and Potomac <laughs> in the past. So yes, we greatly appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But I would say that, Maybe the way it's it's affected the Orioles, and, and I can't really speak to it at the major league level, but I'd say at the minor league level, it's minimal, if really even that big. I don't I don't think it has had much of an impact on our on our bottom line or our fans or anything like that. All right, well, Jeff, I, I have a serious question, and so I'm going to approach that by sandwiching it between two nonsense questions. Are you ready for this? Okay. Uh, here's sure. the first nonsense question. Here at Bird's Eye View, we take ourselves very seriously in the fact of not taking ourselves seriously, and we encourage uh, our listeners to enjoy uh, a cold one with us along with the show. And so we have a segment which we call the Drink of the Week. Um, and so, Jeff, for you, what would your Drink of the Week be? Well, um, you know, I think I've started to become more of a craft brewery person ever since I got to Frederick because Flying Dog Brewery is actually right down the road from us. So it's kind of kind of nice to be able to go out there and, and have one every once in a while. And I have a, a good buddy of mine, Brandon McGee, who's actually a former assistant general manager of the Keys, works there now. So um, I would say that my drink of the week would be if you give me a, a flying dog and a, a snake dog or a truth. Um, they used to have this beer that I like called a Denali. They don't have it anymore. Um, but I'd say if you give me a flying dog, snake dog, then, then I'm, then I'm good to go. All right. That's a good answer. That's uh, snake dog's my number two beer. So we, you're off to a good start. All right. So here's, right. here's the unfair question. Uh, one of major league, uh, one of the major issues being discussed in the game right now is whether or not minor league baseball players are being paid fairly. Uh, and being compensated for their work. Do you think that this is an issue that's likely uh, to change within the next few years in the game? You know what? That's a, it's another really good question, and it's one that I don't have a really good way of answering it because uh, I don't. I have no idea what will happen in the next couple of years. But I think there definitely – I think there should be some concessions made to make it easier for some of these players to – you know, there, there should be some things done to, to make their lives a little bit easier. Like I, I can tell you that, you know, one of the hardest things to do is to, when you come into a, nif a new minor league city, uh, to find housing. You've got a couple days before you're, you're in a hotel and then you got to find some place to live. Like that's a major pain. Like I can only imagine if I got relocated for a job and then I was told, 
hey, uh, you got also three three days to find some place to live. Like that's that's a huge pain. So I think what some major league teams could do is they could just say, listen, we're going to rent a block of apartments at this place for these players, and you give them roommates and you give them some place to stay. I don't think doing that is very hard. I think you know putting more money down so that way these guys can eat certain meals, so that way they're feeding their bodies well and and you know in ingesting the right type of fuel, I guess you would call it, um, over the course of a season, and they didn't have to worry about that as much. So when they're they're going to the ballpark and they're finished working out, that they get something nutritious before the game, and then they get something nutritious after the game. I think the teams could certainly help with that. You know, I think they need to be doing that so that way they can get the best out of the players that that they have. Um, I think also that you know they can be compensated a little bit better. I mean, are you going to be paying a, a minor league player what you're paying a major league player? No, but you can still make it so that they have at least some money in their pockets when they're when they're not at the field. I mean, I, I really think you need to pay them, you know, at least a living wage to be able to do their job. I don't I don't think that is too much to ask. I mean, we've all I think if you're a, a player or a broadcaster or you're somebody that's worked in minor league baseball in a front office, um, that that you certainly sacrifice quite a bit, uh, especially at the beginning of your career to make it work. And so um, I don't necessarily know if I've, I've dealt with it the way that some of the players have, especially at the lower levels of the minor leagues, but I don't think it's much to ask to give them good food, housing, so they don't have to worry about that, and also just to pay them a living wage. So that way it, it makes things easier for them during the year um, and also maybe allows them to save some stuff, some money up during the off season, so that way they're able to spend more time on training rather than trying to figure out uh, where they're going to work so that way they can balance an, a part-time job and getting ready to play baseball for the pro team that they're playing for. I think if they could do those couple of things just to take better care of the guys, um, I, don't, I don't think that's a lot to ask, but that's just kind of the way I see it. Well, Jeff, uh, I, I appreciate the fact that you didn't duck the question you have earned my respect in that regard but uh now we come to the second stupid question and this is the one upon which sir we will judge you uh long after you're <laughs> gone from the show at, at least jake will so uh so this is the question that we end every interview on and it is frankly the most important question so uh i, I hope that you're ready jeff arnold director of broadcasting and public relations for the frederick keys the question to you is this beetles or stones that's a tough one. Um, you know, I have a lot of Beatles hits that I really like. I have a lot of Stones hits that I really like. But I'm going to say Beatles. You're a good man, sir. You have passed the test. Passed the I'm test. Gonna, I'm going to say I'm going to say Beatles. But that was that's tough. Yeah, it's it's it, it's tough, but not really. There's only one right answer here. So sure. we appreciate that you made right. the right choice here, and. Um, we can now air this segment to the entire population, so it's going to be good. Well, that, that makes me feel better. <laughs> it is important to us that people listen to this segment and rush to buy Frederick Keys tickets. It, it is. It sounds like a great time, uh, Jeff. I promise you, I will go to a Keys game this right. season. I'm going to take my family. I promise, and we will get in touch with you when that happens. Or let you know how it went. Why don't Birds Eye View just go out, maybe take a tour of Flying Dog, and then go mm. to a Frederick Keys game afterwards? That I'm sounds like a fun, See, that's, fun, that's fun weekend. How you spend a day. Yes. If, if people are looking to get more involved with the Keys, how can they do so online? How, how best to buy tickets? What, what should what should we do, Jeff? Tell in, me where to go. So Instruct us. Of, so, so there are a lot of avenues. If uh, if you want uh, to look at more information about the team, the easiest way is to. If you go to frederickkeys.com, um, you can also go to all our social media pages. We're very active on, on social media, so be it Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, um, at Frederick Keys on Facebook and in, or on, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, and then, uh, and then Facebook, uh, at Frederick Keys, and then Snapchat as well. Um, so we're, we're very uh, involved on social media. Uh, we have a good time there, so you can find out a lot of other stuff about us there, too. Um, in terms of ticket information, you can go to frederickkeys.com, or you can call 
Um, our, uh, our group's office, 301-815-9900, if you want to purchase a group's plan. And, and I'll say this, like getting a, if you want to come out for more than one game, you might as well get a group's plan because as part of every ticket plan that you purchase, um, you will get either a Austin Hayes or a Trey Mancini bobblehead. And these are exclusive gifts. You can't get them unless you get a ticket plan. Um, and so I highly recommend that, that you do that. Um, and then, uh, or if you want sing- single game tickets, will go on sale uh, starting next Friday. Um, and then you can call our box office 301-815-9939. So a lot of different ways to get involved and, uh, uh look forward to, uh, to you coming on out at some point during the season and to just make sure that when you do, uh, you sneak me in a case of a snake dog as well. That'd be great. We will roll in a barrel for you and just sneak <laughs> it underneath the table. So that while the play-by-play is going on, it's a smooth transition, basically, especially when the uh, protests are going on on the field. So Either that of the cowboy, uh, oh, the monkey, the cowboy cowboys. monkey cowboy rodeo is going on. Exactly. That'll be great to call with a, a flying dog in hand. Jeff, thanks, thanks for being a good sport. We appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to seeing more from the keys this season and uh, good luck. All right, guys. Thanks so much. So, Jake, the Orioles did something. Did they? They actually went out and signed another starting pitcher. And they went out and signed one of the individuals that we were hoping for. They signed Alex Cobb. And funny enough, we actually tweeted right before we had our podcast last (laughs) week, indicating that we were going to go do our prediction show. And uh, that just meant the Orioles were going to go ahead and sign Alex Cobb. And lo and behold, we did our prediction show, and uh, Alex Cobb was signed by the Baltimore Orioles the next day. So, Jake... Um, we were very negative last week with our prediction show. Us? Very negative. No. Uh, so, Jake, uh, with the signing of Alex Cobb, uh, everyone in Birdland collectively rejoiced. There was very few people that basically was like, well, that's not a really that big of a deal or anything like that. Everyone was just like, yes, this is the move we really wanted to make the Orioles make. And people went bananas. B-A-N-A-S, bananas. And I guess my question is, last week you predicted a 100-loss season for the Baltimore Orioles. I prefer to think of it as I predicted a 61-win oh, season right. for the Orioles. Oh, that's right. 61-win, 100 losses, and then one ran out. Yes. So, Jake, I have to ask you this question. Based off of this signing, are you willing to change your prediction at all? I am. Okay. And what are you willing to change your prediction to? I am willing to admit that they will play a full 162-game <laughs> season. <laughs> No, I, I think that Alex Cobb uh, does move the needle. Okay. Uh, I think that it gets them closer. Here's the deal. I could see the the Orioles, if everything, you know, goes the way it's supposed to, you know, their ceiling is being in the conversation for a second wild card. But I think what what is meaning... Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, Alex Cobb is not 19 wins. There may have been some theater in my, in, in my uh, prediction. But here's the thing about the Alex Cobb move. Sure. We said, look, this is the best we can hope for. Yes. Right? Alex Cobb is literally the best we can hope for because we know we're not getting the top flight pitchers. Yes, we weren't getting a Yu Darvish. We weren't getting a Jake Arrieta. We basically said Alex Cobb is probably our best option out of any starting pitcher we could get. And we said that back in November when we did our first offseason show. And I don't want to, you know, poo-poo the uh, Brian or the, the Andrew Kashner signing. Sure. But that's what I did and said, if they do nothing else, this is meaningless. Right. But it's now no longer meaningless. Sure. He's a real major league pitcher, right? Call him a fifth starter, call him a fourth starter, whatever you want to say. He is a real major league pitcher. Right. The Orioles got two major league pitchers for their three needs, and they're going to cobble together the rest of it with Chris Tillman, who hopefully will be better than he was last year, and the rest of the guys. Sure. This is a rotation that has the possibility of building toward a winning team. But what I think is, that the Orioles are in a, in a position now where instead of looking at the cliff of of awful, they're now in the position where a little bit of luck gets them into the conversation for the second wild card thing. And that's a good position to be in. It's certainly a much better position sure. to be in than without a guy like Alex Cobb in the rotation. So I think if you look at the projections, and I know people hate to look at projections, 
Um, but I'll look at the Fangraph projections because I personally think sure. the Fangraph projections are not terrible. I, I you know, Pakoda is Pakoda, but you know, there there are obviously issues with that. But the Orioles projected to basically be at 76 wins um, before the uh, Alex Cobb signing, which I thought was a pretty decent projection, all things considering. Uh, my projection for them was lower than that because I expected an eventual sell-off is the yep. best way to describe it and saying, okay, well, there's 76 wins where their current roster construction, that number will decrease as the team is deconstructed, as it were. And I expected rain. And you expected rain, exactly. Uh, now that the Orioles are basically saying we are going to sign Alex Cobb, Alex Cobb has a no trade clause this season. Um, and there looks like that aspect of as long as the Orioles are close, they are going to be making the move. Um, and the other interesting thing was you look at Alex Cobb and the signing, uh, four years, $57 million, but actually $47 million net present value due to the deferred money. And you look at the deferred money also that they took off of this season. And it looks like the Orioles still have money available to play with during this season which raises the question jake uh they're certainly not going to sign any free agents because there's not available but is it possible that the orioles are going to make one big splash right before the trade line trade deadline and actually try to be buyers rather than sellers based off the salary manipulation that they're currently doing with an alex cobb i say yes for two reasons i say yes because they have refused to believe that this is the end sure Right, they are acting like a team that's all in. Right. And I say yes because if there's anything that could make 2019 and beyond more uncomfortable sure. than it will be, it's buying at the trade deadline. And so, yes, I think that they will. But isn't this what we love about baseball and, and you know, generally bravado in a sense? I mean, how many times do you remember watching a James Bond movie where he goes into the casino and he's got a bunch of chips and he goes over to the roulette table and he just puts everything onto red and he's just like, I, we'll see what happens. And then he just wins and he walks away and he's just like, I knew it was going to happen. Like, it's that kind of bravado that you love to root for. And, you, you know, more than likely they're going to walk away from the table and they're going to be like, we threw our chips in there and nothing happened and we walked away from the table with no chips. But if something magical does happen... This will be a story that Baltimore Orioles fans talk about for years to come. It'll be similar to that 2012 season. And I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but it feels like momentum has shifted with this Alex Cobb signing. Even just within the clubhouse, you can look at some of the language that Adam Jones is now using uh, about the team and about the organization. And something has shifted both in terms of the fan base but also it feels like a little bit in the player base as well. And I'm curious if something, if this Alex Cobb signing is actually bigger than the two wins that we're seeing in the projection system. And I know that doesn't make sense. And you know I'm the analytics guy. And you know that doesn't you know jive at all. But the Orioles haven't jived with analytics for a while now. There has been this aspect of there is a difference between the numbers and what reality is. And do I think that it's going to allow them to be you know the winner of the AL East? Heck no. But we know the projection models have a plus minus six or seven win season. We talked about this before. If they are a projected 78 win season team or 78 win season team, they could easily get to 85 wins. And I feel, I feel like this is a Nelson Cruz like signing is the best way to describe it. when this happened. I thought this was like a Nelson Cruz like signing. Scott, are you talking from your gut and your heart? Jake, I've been drinking an orange birdhouse <laughs> pale ale beer here for this entire episode. And I don't know. I went into last week with this aspect of like, this is going to be a terrible season. There's nothing to look forward mm-hmm. to. And as meaningless as this move was, with it basically being two to three wins, basically, in terms of projections, I feel like this is the move that needed to happen in order for momentum to be shifted from well, I guess they're just kicking the can to, all right, they have a plan. It may not be a great plan, <laughs> but it's a plan nonetheless, and I respect the balls that they have in basically going with this plan. Uh, I think you and I agree in the fact that we wish that we didn't have as few chips to push into the middle, but at the beginning of the off season, we both said, look, if they at least go out and try to get Alex Cobb, we'll know that they're trying. Sure. Right? They're trying. And I agree with you. Whether or not this is a move that that really matters or not, whether this is the move that 
pushes them into contention or not. Sure. You can't look at their offseason and say, well, they didn't try to make this club better. Right. You know, would I have preferred they just to trade off Manny Machado when it mattered to get a haul back to start the rebuild? Yeah, I think I would have. But at this point, I get to watch a team that's got Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope and Adam Jones and what's left of Chris Davis and, you know, the up-and-comers like Mancini and maybe Hayes will get there at some point. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to watch at least once uh, Pedro Alvarez. But you have a, a real major league rotation to go along with that, and you think to yourself, well, shoot. Who knows? Maybe it'll happen. The other thing, too, is the Cobb signing is not just about this year. Yeah. It's also about the situation. You've got Bundy and Gossman who are going to be coming back next year. You'll have Cobb coming back next year. You'll have Kashner, which is eh. But then you also have potentially Hunter Harvey coming back. That's a very impressive five-man rotation. I wouldn't say it's at the likes of having a Chris Sale right. or a David Price. This is not the 90s Braves, but it's it's a rotation. But it's a rotation nonetheless, and it's a lot more salable to basically let me watch an Orioles rotation, which is that rotation. Rather than turn the game on and say, oh, Baltimore Menace is pitching tonight, I'm going to turn back in the sixth or seventh inning so I can actually watch this game. Or Jeremy Hellickson or Wade Miley. I'd much rather watch an Alex Cobb right now, even an Andrew Kashner, who I really don't like, um, and just see what happens and, and goes on. Um, Jake, I'm going to ask for a mulligan. Oh. I'm going to ask for a mulligan. Is this prediction 2.0? This is prediction 2.0. Right, so right. I, I think I said last week that it was going to be 69 wins. Uh, Jake, I'm going to say this much. Uh I don't know if the Orioles are going to get that wild card spot, but I do think they're going to get over 81 wins, and I'm going to predict 85 wins for this season coming up. Wow. And again, it makes no sense that two wins from a player like Alex Cobb should make that much of a difference, but if it puts the Orioles closer to being contention at the trade deadline and they don't trade away their players and if they potentially push more chips in and go all in, whether that's a good move or a bad move, that's regardless. You know, I just think that this is a team that's going to push up until the very last week and try to get that playoff spot. And we may be heartbroken in the process. In fact, I almost guarantee we'll be heartbroken <laughs> in the process. But you know what? There's no better way that I would want to see the end of this era happen than to see compelling baseball in September, which has been the theme for Bird's Eye View since the very first season. This is this is amazing. Uh, so first of all, I I... Yes, I hear you. Um, I would also like to amend my prediction. So you're going to go with three rainouts. <laughs> In 2012, okay. I predicted 100 losses. Yes. And it resulted in the team. And I say it resulted because clearly I'm in control of the universe. Dave Wallace told me that was the case. So <laughs> I predicted 100 losses and it resulted in a 93-92 win season. There was a 93-win season, actually. Okay. I am not willing to give up on this dream, Scott. So I will amend my prediction and say that they will play that 162nd game and this team will win 62 and lose 100. All right. You heard it here first. That 100 means, losses. That means clearly that they'll try to make me look bad by making the playoffs. Um, I, I'm delighted to hear this. Here's the thing. Hope did not spring eternal for most of the spring. Very true. But it's here now and... Three days away from opening day, what a better time to feel good about your team. Absolutely. And for all the people that say that we're super negative, which occasionally right. we are. We normally are. Spring, I'm, I'm excited. It's nice to open the season like this. You know what else I'm excited for? I'm excited for our little fantasy boss. You know, every so often, I throw something into the show that is not in the notes whatsoever, and it just catches Jake Total surprise. Su total surprise. And you should have seen Jake watching me play that, or listening to me play that music. It was like a boy opening his Christmas presents and being like, oh, there's a Nintendo 64 in here. 
My parents didn't love me enough for Nintendo 64. But you're right. I'm delighted <laughs> to hear the dulcet tones of Brian Setzer and Gwen Stefani. Uh, I am surprised not only by the, the reemergence of Fantasy Boss, but the fact that you play that version. Well, what can I say? Uh, you are the Fantasy Boss champion. One might even say that I am the boss. You are the boss, exactly. So, Jake... We're doing Fantasy Boss once again this season. Nice. One person will be happy. One person will be happy. Uh, we will leave him nameless. Um, <laughs> and we're going to go with the category this week. And, of course, if we're going to start this off, we're going to start this off with dogs. And we're going to say, who's going to have the most amount of dogs this up opening series weekend with the Twins? Jake, who do you got? It's difficult. It's difficult to know who. So you're going Danny Valencia <laughs> is what I'm hearing. <laughs> it's difficult to know <laughs> whose dong will be the strongest. Um I'm going to go chalk, all right? And on left-hand dong, I've got Jonathan Scope. On right-hand dong, I've got Manny Machado. This may be my last chance to love him. Manny Machado, he's going to win the dong fest. I I like where you're going with this, and I I appreciate you going with an old faithful. Um, But I'm going to go a little bit and wax it out a little bit more carefully with my dong. Um, And I'm going to go with simply AJ10 as my choice for being the dong master this upcoming series. You're going with Captain America. Of course I'm going with Captain America. The man really knows how to stroke out a dong. We're not doing phrasing anymore? We're not doing (laughs) phrasing anymore. Welcome back, Bird's Eye View listeners. Welcome back. Welcome back. All right, well, with that, uh, why don't we go ahead and blow the save? Scotty, we don't usually do this, but I would like to hawk some merchandise. Okay. No, 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 not ours. Oh, okay. I know we, we don't do merchandise. I know there are a lot of podcasts that would like to pers- uh, push their merch on you, but we are not one of them. Like uh, the OBP podcast? No, I like that merch. <laughs> the merch came first for OBP. I have several merch from that. OBP, so. continue your merch, continue your yes. podcast. Um, no, through the magic of Orioles Twitter, we have become acquainted with the guys over at 31 Apparel. And these guys make shirts with badass art for uh, NFL and MLB teams. Oh, MLB. Okay, that's okay. Uh Uh, And they've recently released an Orioles-inspired design, which I think is is really cool and you should check out. And frankly, the rest of the designs are cool too. Uh, These these designs make me you know, kind of want to be a a Vikings fan, but most specifically a Buccaneers fan. Uh, Go out and check it out. It's it's really cool. But the thing that drew me – specifically to 31 Apparel, is the fact that they have partnered with the National Hemophilia Foundation and donate $5 for every shirt that they sell to combat bleeding disorders. This is one of the rare instances where you can, as they say, look good while doing some good. So really, please check this out this week. Go find them at 31apparel.com. I I think it's cool looking. I hope you do too. They've got an Orioles one. They've got a Ravens one. They've got lots of other designs. Um, I know I know for a fact also that the shirts are available at uh, 2910 on the square downtown if you want to do a brick-and-mortar thing. Check these guys out. Uh, half Yankee fan, half Oriole fan thing going on. It's weird. It's weird, but he roots for the Orioles. So if you're going to root for the Orioles with the Yankees being in the current position that it is, I'm okay with it. Listen, but, good, but really good guy. Good guys, yeah. good product, and great cause great cause 31 apparel.com i think the shirt's like 24 bucks but remember five dollars of that goes to fight bleeding disorders and you know much like inigo montoya said you could not hope for a more pure cause you keep using that word i do not think you know what it means (laughs) and with that that is our show remember you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birds i view baltimore Jake, you finally did something right. Bird's Eye View is available. let it go to my head. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is that you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. Otherwise, we'll put you on the stretcher. And we appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Not the machine. Not the machine. We love meeting new people and talking Orioles baseball with other diehard fans. Email us. At contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, but the best way to get a hold of us is at Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Birdland and beyond, the hope is back. I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. As you wish. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. 
Is it safe to say that the Orioles have been mostly dead all offseason? Mostly dead. But there's a faint bit of life now. Just a faint bit. By the way, who are you? And are we enemies? still here it's over go home go